G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We love the opportunity to talk to Christians who have expertise in so many dimensions of our lives and many of them have written great books and we get to talk to authors from all over the world. So today a focus on Christian writers in Australia. Now, this is timely because the deadline is looming for entries into this year's Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards, and I think the uh, the entry uh, deadline has been stretched a little, and you're now able to enter a work before the 31st of May. That's the entry deadline. Now, among the other major awards, there's not just the Australian Christian Book of the Year, but one of them is the Australian Christian Teen Writer Award for the best unpublished works by writers under 18 years of age. And then there's the Young Australian Christian Writer Award for the best unpublished works by writers under the age of 30 years. And I think there's some prize money associated with that. So uh, get ready. We'll talk about those things as we go. We're also going to talk about what makes a great Christian book and perhaps even uh, lean into how hard it is to publish a book in Australia today. Michael Colley leads Sparklit. That's the organisation that presents the Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. And Michael is joining us. Hi, Michael. Welcome along. Thank you, Neil. And I might just say quickly here, Michael, uh, our previous uh, guest, uh, Alex Cook, uh, suffering COVID. He was only diagnosed uh, just two and a half hours ago. Uh, You're suffering COVID too. That's right, yes. I got my results this morning. Um, I I was tested yesterday and got my positive result uh, today. I suspect I bought it back from overseas. I went to a conference uh, for Christian publishers in Budapest, Hungary, um, I started feeling sick there. I, was test- I tested negative during the conference, but I, um, I expect I brought it back with me. Well, I know that the listeners uh, listening to our conversation today might just uphold you in their prayers as well, and uh, we'll expect uh, you know good things, a good report from you as you overcome uh, COVID. Hey, Michael, the Australian Christian Book of the Year, how many years is it now that this award has been presented each year? Well, it's just over 30 years, um, so it's been going for quite a while. It was uh, started by uh, uh, the late John Wilson um, in Melbourne uh, back in the 70s. So, yeah, it's been it's been going for quite a while. And for at least, I guess, the last uh, 10 or 12 years, uh, I've been doing updates with you, whether we're talking about the short list of entries or whether we're announcing winners. Uh, We've been doing an awful lot about this. And each year, we like to get a a little bit of a program happening uh, where we talk about checking the pulse Uh, the standard and quality of Christian writing in Australia. And I've got to just reflect here that in some of those uh, years a decade ago, uh, you weren't that impressed with the standard of Christian writing, but there's been a major change in the wind, hasn't there? Yes, uh, there's uh, a lot more books being written, and uh, a lot of them are very good. 
So um, this is reflected in the uh, number of entries. So last year there was a record 100 entries, exactly 100. This year there were um, no, uh, 96 entries. Um, the deadline was, in fact, the 31st of, of March uh, for the Australian Christian Book of the Year Award. The uh, deadline for the uh, awards for unpublished manuscripts by young writers is, as you said before, the, um, the end of this month, the end of May. Okay, so we're almost at shortlist time. Is there already a shortlist? As you say, 96 Uh, entries. Is there a shortlist yet? So the shortlist will be announced on the 1st of July. Um, And the shortlist itself has been expanded a little bit. It used to be the shortlist was uh, at the discretion of the judges and there was usually, um, you know, seven books were shortlisted or eight books shortlisted. Um, And a few years ago... uh, the judges, um, I, I couldn't wrestle them <laughs> down <laughs> uh, under ten, and so since then it's been there's been a shortlist of ten books, um, and there's been some very strong years. So that even if you removed the shortlist, there would have been another um, ten books which would have been worthy of being shortlisted. So yeah, there's um, not only have, do we have an increase in volume, but there's uh, the quality is is fabulous, um, and as I say every year this is not a buy australia campaign um this is these are just uh for a book to be shortlisted it has to be as good as any book in the world and it's in its genre or in its field so it's you know i just love drawing people's attention to uh fabulous christian writing that happens to be um you know by australian writers so the major award, it already has closed. Entries for this year's award, uh, you can't actually enter a book into that. But for teen writers and young writers, uh, that's where the 31st of May deadline is there. So if you fall into that category under 30 years of age or under 18 years of age, uh, there's even some incentive prize money in there too. Yes, there's a two and a half thousand dollar prize for the uh, young Australian Christian writer. That's the under thirty category, and there's a one thousand dollar award for the first prize in the under eighteen category. And we have supplementary awards as well in both of those categories. Is there, in your memory, Michael, uh, over thirty years now, and you've got a great long memory of all of the things that have happened over three decades? Has there been entries in young writer awards who've gone on to write uh, books when they're into their mature and adult years uh, that have uh, that have also, you know, made a comeback from from being in young writers awards and then into the major the major categories? Oh yes, the Young Australian Christian uh, the Young Australian Christian Writer Award. There's, there's quite a good record there of, uh, in fact, manuscripts that have won the prize uh, being published. Um, there's a number of those in the category of fiction and also uh, in uh, sort of biographical material. Um, there was uh, a book by a young woman who um, arrived in Australia. Um, Utro, <laughs> her parents were refugees, and it's a story of uh, God's um, provision for that family. That was a very moving story. Um, and there was more recently a, a novel set um, in social work in uh, with uh, with Aboriginal families with stolen generation. Um, so yeah, there's been some. That, that award has a great record of uh, steering um, young authors into publication. And in fact, uh, when we had uh, live. Uh, awards events, those writers would often meet their publisher at the event. So publishers attend the event uh, with their eyes open. 
Now, we all tend to have a, an idea of, for, what, for us individually, what makes a good book. And, you know, whether it's devotional style books, uh, children's books, or history books, uh, theological books, uh, books for teenagers, uh, books for families or parenting books. Uh, is there a more popular genre than others? Uh, what sort of books tend to come in? You've got 96 that have come in uh, this year. What sort of, what have they tended to actually, uh, where, where did they fit? Well, there are, in fact, books of various genres uh, have been entered for, for the award this year, including uh, books for children, for teenagers, for young adults. Um, and there's uh, Bible commentary. There's, um, there's certainly um, biographies, autobiographies. Um, there's a reason why we, we don't have awards for genres. We have the Australian Christian Book of the Year Award. Um, we believe that there's still not the volume or the quality uh, of output um, to justify or to sustain an award for genre. So, if we had an award for you know best uh, Christian book, uh, best Christian novel of the year, um, and best biography of the year, um, we think that would be uh, selecting a winner from a very small field, which I think is a little counterproductive. It might be very gratifying for the person who wins the award, but it's not necessarily a great indicator for the public. Uh, and withholding an award for any one of those awards for, for genres would be discouraging. So uh, the shortlist you'll find for the short books shortlisted for the Australian Christian Book of the Year, you'll find various genres represented. And in fact, last year there was um, a book of poetry. Uh, there was um, a book um, about uh, how to educate your children about sex. There was biographies, two biographies. Um, there was a book about um, Christian and Islamic uh, theology. So um, there's the... Uh, Short, this is an opportunity to celebrate achievement uh, across genres, and that that way we um, um, that that's the way we encourage our work in various fields and genres. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty twenty on Vision. We're talking about the books you love to read and maybe even the book you'd like to write. Michael Colley is our guest. He leads Sparklit. That's the organisation that presents the Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. The major award deadline is already closed, 31st of March, but there are two deadlines for the Teen Writer and the Young Writer Awards uh, that are open until the 31st of May. Michael Colley, when people come up to you and they ask you about writing a book, uh, what do you say to people who want to write? They have an aspiration. It's a dream. I always wanted to write a book. What do you say to those people? Well, the first thing I ask them to do is to find an editor to, to help them to coach, coach them. Um, it's never been easier to publish a book. You can do it without leaving home. You can just do it with a computer. You can write a book. You can upload files. You can have it printed and delivered. You know, it's never been easier to publish the book. However, it's never been harder to make yourself heard because um, everyone who wants to write a book can write a book. So this is, a, in one sense, a golden age of publishing um, because everyone can do it and people who want to do. Uh, however, um, the results aren't necessarily worth reading. So... Um, no matter how literate or um, articulate you think you are, uh, we all need um, an editor. And publishing is a team sport. It 
you need um, not just a writer, but you need um, you need a publisher, someone with a vision for publishing, and you need an editor. Um, there's a whole a team of people. Um, it's an invisible team, I guess, because when you see a book, you don't necessarily see all the people who have been involved um, in bringing it, um, it to to life. Um, and if it's a successful book, you certainly don't see um, all the work that's gone into making it a success. Um, so uh, I usually suggest that people um, start building a team. It's not just about them, the writer. Um, probably more uh, something I don't say to people because it's very difficult to say is that um, just because someone has uh, the gift of writing or um, feel as though they are by vocation a writer um, doesn't necessarily mean they have anything to say. Um, and really, if you look at the, um, the most successful Christian books, they've been written by people who not only enjoy writing, um, but they are written by people who write with the authority of experience. And so they might have um, pastoral experience or they might have the experience of a journalist um, or they might have the experience of a Bible teacher where um, not only their, their ability to communicate has been honed um, in the classroom or in media, uh, or it might have been um, their ability to communicate and care for people has been honed through years of pastoral experience. So it's not just uh, people might feel excited about writing and being a writer, um, which is great, and we encourage that. But it's actually more important that people have something to say. And so a number of, I guess, the, if I think about the, the more successful Christian books, that is books that have sold well, books that have had an impact, um, often they're written by people who are reluctant writers. Uh, they might be exercising a ministry and a publisher might have um, think, you know, might think that they have something to say and have actually made them into writers by bringing alongside an editor or um, encouraging them in various ways to write. Uh, uh, but they, uh, so the last, um, I guess the 2021 Australian Christian Book Year is a good case in point. Stephen McAlpine didn't set out to write a book. He didn't write that book uh, and then submit it to a publisher. The publisher uh, in London, in England, um, saw uh, Stephen's blog, which he publishes regularly, fortnightly, um, and on the basis of that uh, writing and that ex the, the exposure Stephen um, had built up with his regular blog, they asked him to write a book. So that's a very good... That's, a, that's not an unusual uh, sequence of events where someone's exercising a ministry um, in their blog uh, and it never occurs to them to write a book, but the publisher actually thought, yeah, this this writing ministry or this communicating ministry deserves a broader and deeper reach. So they, they turned Stephen into an author. It just demonstrates, doesn't it, the richness of wisdom that there is in the Christian community and uh, so many of those messages, so many of those themes that you might even hear in church or at a seminar or uh, some sort of workshop, uh, they might never find their way into a book, but all of those make very relevant uh, books that people would love to read. And you can compound 
and uh, and and grow the the audience uh, from a message that might be spoken in church uh, to someone who might read that on the other side of the world. Yeah, uh, Christian. Uh, if you talk to a Christian publisher, they'll tell you that people regularly come to them, um, budding authors, saying, you know, "God's told me to write this," um, and they expect you to publish it just as it's uh, being presented. Um, but yeah, the publisher really has to ask the question: Well, has God told me to publish this? Or um, and the role of publisher, I think, is um, not clear to most people. But I, I see it as a in a sense, as a prophetic ministry, in that the publisher, the book publisher, really has to look at their society and the church, and uh, they need to see the, their society and their church with the eyes of God and ask themselves, you know, what does this church need? What does my society need? Uh, what sort of book will address that need? And who will write it? Uh, so a lot of successful books are, in fact, commissioned by publishers who who have that discernment, um, who look at the church uh, with the eyes and with the heart of God and ask themselves, what sort of book does the church need now? What sort of... And who will write that book? Michael, let me ask you, uh, in Christian books, which might be a little different to what people are interested in beyond the four walls of a church, fiction or non-fiction. I imagine that uh, a lot of people read a lot of fiction perhaps outside the church, but within church life uh, there seems to be a lot more non-fiction books available at the bookstore, uh, Christian bookstore, than they are fiction books. Any thoughts here? Yeah, that's true. Um, I think if you go to a Christian bookshop, uh, you'll see a small amount of fiction. Uh, and I think there's a, a number of reasons for that. Um, I think Protestants, Protestant Christians uh, have been historically a little suspicious of the arts generally, um, both the visual arts and uh, other forms of um, artistic endeavour. So there's obviously exceptions, hymn writing um, and arts that are sort of sanctioned by the church or encouraged. That's one thing. But yeah, things like fiction, um, I think some Christians are suspicious of fiction because uh, they think it's not true. <laughs> some people, you know, some Christians I know have a fairly simplistic approach to fiction. Um, I like to remind people that actually Jesus used fiction. The parables um, are fictitious stories. They're, they're true, but they're not necessarily factual. That is, uh, Jesus made up stories to make a point. And that's what fiction writers do. So um, I would love the Australian Christian Book of the Year this year to be a novel. Um, I think fiction has a really um, important role to play. So, yes, I lament um, the suspicion that uh, we sometimes, with which we regard um, fiction in, an, in the church. Um, I think it's also difficult to write um, Christian fiction. It's difficult but not impossible. Um, and I think we can think of uh, there is you know there are novels which are very overtly Christian, which tell the story um, of you know Christians struggling in romance or in um, other in in business or um, but we also see um, there are novels where there are Christian protagonists. Um, John Grisham's written books like this, um, which uh, anyone can read um, and which are 
uh, thought-provoking uh, and exciting. Um, but uh, yes, it's um, it's a field I would like to see develop. And as I said, I would love the Australian Christian Book of the Year one year to be a novel. Well, there's a challenge, isn't it? Hey, come back to this for a moment, uh, just to reflect on these things that you're sharing. Uh, churches, uh, in some ways you might say uh, it's a good thing that churches might be cautious in what they recommend uh, people in church to read because a lot of churches might even come around the thought of uh, reading other books other than the Bible. You might you know, have some challenges there, but of course there are lots of really great Christian books. But I wonder whether you've got thoughts, Michael, on what might disqualify a book and even what might disqualify a book for an Australian Christian Book of the Year award, the values, or does it contain heresy that goes, doesn't go along with what you might think orthodox Christian doctrine might teach? Uh, any thoughts here on what disqualifies the sort of book that might go into a entry for an award? Um, okay, I'd just like to begin by saying what uh, we do look for. So um, the Australian Christian Book of the Year really looks for uh, the judges, the Australian Christian Book of the Year judges, are looking for um, something that meets a need for the in the Christian Church and in Australian society. So um, it's a book that's relevant or pertinent. pertinent. Um, and uh, secondly, um, we're looking for originality. So it needs to be um, an old idea repackaged in a new, retold in a new way, or it needs to be um, some original thinking brought to bear on on a challenge we face. Uh, so originality and relevance, that's what we look for. Um, what might disqualify a book? Um, well, a book that's not original, that's been just re- recycling some very familiar uh, ideas, um, that will disqualify the book. As far as heresy goes, um, the book um, of the, the Christian Book of the Year um, aims to reflect mainstream Orthodox Christianity in Australia, um, so we try and we're mindful of um, what Christians in the main denominations uh, will uh, view as being orthodox. Uh, that is, uh, we we look to the historic creeds to define what um, what Christian doctrine is, um, and that's made clear in our in our website. Uh, at sparklit.org so we would be looking um, primarily at uh, the person of Jesus who Jesus is and what he has done for us uh, and most importantly that he has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves and so one of the distinctions I guess um, about our faith is the idea of grace that uh, God has rescued us Um, we cannot rescue ourselves Jesus uh, is God and his um, rescued us, he's done for us what we can't do for ourselves. These, I think, basic um, ideas that most Christians, most of the time, um, would uh, would say and um, that defines their faith. Well, something that meets a need in the wider community, it's got originality about it, and uh, in some sense uh, it actually doesn't 
manoeuvre itself away from those traditional foundation elements of what makes a Christian book Christian. Hey, let's talk for a moment because a lot of people, when we th- when we talk about writing books, there's a thought that you're talking about a paperback or a hardcover that sits on a bookshelf. And a lot of people are saying that in an age of technology like it is today, uh, people are not necessarily always buying paperbacks and hardcover books. They're reading e-books, uh, listening to audio books. They're looking at different ways of presenting books. What are your thoughts on uh, on the fact that writing's just as important, but it's being delivered in a whole lot of new, different ways? Well, uh, yeah, writing is important, and um, how it's delivered is not that not not important. Uh, so, yes, ideas and writing are important. However, uh, people are buying paper books um, in more than they've uh, you know, bought before. So. Um, uh, most publishers will be, uh, and in fact, most of the recent Christian books of the year are available um, digitally and uh, as audio books. So that's, um, you know, successful publishers are delivering um, writing uh, in every possible way on every possible platform. But uh, paper books, paperbacks and hardcover books are still selling strongly. So the digital delivery is complementing rather than replacing paper books. Uh, and even globally, um, you know, a book, a paper book is a wonderful technology. Um, it doesn't have batteries, so it, the batteries can't run out. Um, it's, it's portable. It's, um, it's uh, a thing, you know, it's, it's not redundant. Um, so, yeah, paper books are still, um, this is a golden age of publishing, and uh, people are buying and reading paper books. Um, but as you say, um, content's not delivered, uh, not uh, limited to uh, paper books um, and audio books are especially uh, popular amongst um, our younger generations. My daughter's a great um, uh, consumer of uh, audio books and, uh, and also uh, podcasts and, um, and e-books. Yeah, so it's, but these, these uh, complement rather than... Uh, complementing rather than replacing uh, physical paper books. And it's interesting, I'm not sure whether you know uh, statistics or anything like that, but uh, the levels of literacy in Australia are not as high as we might assume uh, in a developed country. And, and people like to listen to books rather than read. And uh, you know, any thoughts here on, on, on people's uh, reading skills? Are they getting rusty uh, or are they better than ever? Because, you know, we're looking at our digital devices rather than picking up a paper book. Uh, any thoughts here around literacy in Australia? Um, I don't, I can't give you um, uh, statistics about our literacy. However, uh, I will point out that um, even um, even to play an online game, which is extremely popular amongst our teenagers, you do need a level level of literacy. Um, so you can't function really in our society without a degree of literacy. Um, now there will be people, there are people left behind, and we need. My wife is uh, teaches adult literacy in in, in Melbourne. Um, so yes, we need to. The church especially has a vested interest in um, in people being literate um, because the church has always been a reading and writing community. Uh, and in fact, um, in Asia and Latin America, I have met adults who learned to read um, in their 60s, for instance, uh, for the sole purpose of being able to read the Bible. So they 
they lived lives uh, not being able to read. When they became Christian, all of a sudden reading became an urgent <laughs> need for them and they learned to read. So um, the church has a great record of promoting literacy and we have a vested interest in people being able to read the Bible and being able to read and write. So um, so where there is uh, poor literacy, um, the church needs to do something about that and uh, we have a good record of that, I believe. I wonder, Michael, any insights here, because it might appear that there are so many choices of the sorts of things you could write about that nurturing Christian writing might be somebody's responsibility, but maybe we all want to pass that off to someone else. But we'd like, obviously, to see lots more Christian writers, uh, right from younger years uh, through to older years, focusing on things, grappling with the issues, uh, really wrestling with uh, challenging things that a society might face. But we wonder about whose job that is. Uh, Do you just naturally fall into being a Christian writer? Or is this something our parents encourage us? Is that our teachers at school? Or is it our local church community? What are your thoughts here about who nurtures young writers? Well, I'd like to say to your listeners, you do. So... uh, Christians should be readers and a reading Christian is an active Christian and a reading Christian is a serving Christian. Um, I think uh, pastors need to encourage their congregations to read. Um, I'm delighted to see on Sunday morning at our church, there's, we've just started a new preaching series on to Timothy and there was someone in the foyer selling uh, commentaries and Bible study guides for 2 Timothy. Fantastic. Um, really, whenever... Um, I think pastors should be transparent about where they get their material from and it's a, just a great joy to me to hear a pastor doing that, saying, um, you know, I've been reading this commentary and I've got this idea and I'm sharing it with you this morning and I suggest you go and read the book. Um, really, uh, rather than hiding the sources of their wisdom (laughs) pastors need to be um, open and uh, encouraging their congregations to read for themselves Uh, and if you want people to read you have to read yourself so we we all need to be readers we need to read books we need to enthuse about the latest book we're reading or we have read and we need to recommend it when we're reading we should be alert the whole the Holy Spirit will do this for us. We we need to ask that the Holy Spirit will um, help us join the dots. You know, you, you read a book and you think, oh, I know someone who really enjoy reading this or I know someone who needs to read this book. Um, I'll buy a copy for them. You know, that's, uh, uh, we need to be, we need to re- be readers and especially with our young people, uh, we need to be um, modelling um, being readers and writers. So uh, I used to read stories with my daughters before they went to bed, uh, before they went to sleep. Uh, But really, the more important thing um, is to model to our children that we are readers. So it's not just reading with your children. Um, Your children, the last thing they should see at night is you sitting up in bed with a reading lamp on and reading a book. It's that modelling that's powerful. So pastors, church leaders and pastors need to model to their congregations and uh, members of the congregation need to model to their, um, to their children and to their colleagues. So that's how it works. It's, um, if you want to encourage people to, to write, 
they need to be readers and encouraging people to read. It's not that hard. There are just so many fantastic Christian books out there, and a lot of them are written by Australian Christian writers. Well, wonderful encouragement there to share the books we're reading. And if we can't share the book physically, uh, to actually share the contents, the things that we are learning and understanding and being even entertained by in the books that we're reading. Come to the church here. Some churches have a bookshop. And given that, as you say, Michael Colley, more books are being sold now than ever before. So books are not something that's old hat. So some churches have bookshops. Some even have reading groups. Uh, some have like a swap and sell meet uh, with their books. And so you can take all those books off your bookshelf that you've finished reading and you think, I'd like to introduce others to those. Uh, you can get into some sort of a swap and sell. What's your encouragement uh, for people who are part of a local church uh, doing something exciting with books in their church? Well, that's, I'm going to repeat myself here. Um, it's, it's a, it's, um, you can't persuade people to read. Um, so I, had a, I was invited to um, speak to the elders of a church that had a bookshop and they were complaining that the you know, sales of the bookshop were falling and they thought I might be able to help them do something about it. And I just said, okay, tell me what you are reading. And, a lot of, and some of the elders weren't reading. They just didn't read. And I said, well, your bookshop is doomed if you're not reading. Why would you expect other people to read? And if you're not enthusing about reading, um, why is anyone else going to read? So it's top-down stuff. This is um, a question of leadership, and we are all leaders. We all have um, influence. Um, we may not influence many people. Um, some of us have more influence than others. We may be unaware that we're influential, but uh, um, if we all have influence, and if you read, and enthuse about reading, you will encourage others to read. So it's it's as simple as that. Um, get a book. <laughs> um, if it doesn't turn you on, get another one. And we need to be, um, Christians need to be reading. Well, the sorts of books you might be looking for in a bookstore, because uh, you might be, if you're a church leader, you're thinking, oh, everyone will want us to have uh, some of these, uh, you know, great writers of the past, uh, great commentaries of the past, and sometimes uh, the past can be hundreds of years. Uh, some of those great identities of faith, yes, they wrote some wonderful things, but there's also new books being released today. So the sorts of books that you might stock in your Christian bookstore or the ones you might want to pass around, uh, as you say, the ones you're reading. So if you're not, if you're past reading all of the, uh, all the old-timer books uh, and you're into new stuff, you've got to start talking to people about reading the new stuff? Well, I suggest you go onto our website and check the books that have been shortlisted um, for the Australian Christian Book of the Year Award of the last couple of years. I'm looking at them now. They're all fantastic books. Um, there's uh, Autobiography by Tim Costello. There's some great books um, by, by John Dixon, who's at the height of his you know, writing powers, so articulate. Um, there's a fantastic book by Ben Myers explaining the Apostles' Creed uh, for adults, and there's another one in, uh, being um, uh, submitted this year uh, for children, but uh, it's not just for children. Um, there's, there's so many great books. Um, well... Wow. <laughs> 
and uh, there's a, a new crop coming out and I think you said 1st of July there'll be a short yep. list for the Australian Christian Book of the Year let's make a date and uh, and we'll set a another time we'll talk about what that short list is for 2022 Michael Colley a, uh, you know all the best to you as you go through the process once again this year with the Australian Christian Book of the Year the encouragement for those who are in the teen writers or the young writers uh, yes there's some prize money attached to those uh, let me point people to how you can get uh, on the uh, on the uh, the Christian Book of the Year awards so uh, you need to go to the Sparklit uh, website now sparklit.org sparklit.org is the website uh, what are you likely to find on the website is that where you submit your material that's just making a connection that's just getting some inspiration as to what it's all about Michael when they go to the Sparklit website what will they see um, you can download a, an entry form which you can fill out and uh, post to us or you can uh, scan it but there's also an online entry as well you can enter online um, so you'll find that at uh, sparklit.org and under awards, there is a separate page for the Australian Christian Book of the Year, the Australian Christian Writer Award and the Australian Christian Teen Writer Award. Wonderful. Sparklit.org and get a hold of that entry form and get some inspiration. Check out last year's shortlist and the winner. Michael Colley leads Sparklit. That's the organisation that presents the Australian Christian Book of the Year Awards. Michael, always enjoy a chat. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. That's my pleasure and I look forward to speaking with you again on the 1st of July. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.